Tightening. Yes, they're tightening. That is if you believe the polls. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online. Welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you'd like to join us on the program by way of inquiry, please feel free to send us an email at nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com so that we can address your questions or issues or other concerns. Please follow us on Facebook forward slash National Preview Online, or you can check out our website, nationalpreviewonline.com. For those of you who are new to the program, the program is listed in the iTunes App Store or on your Apple Podcast app. Again, encountering a lot of difficulty getting this listed on the Google Play Store, but we hope to get that resolved. Meantime, if you are an Android user and you cannot access the iTunes App Store, you can simply go to our hosting service, which is podbean.com. Now, they have an app. Uh, it's in the iTunes App Store, and it's also in the Google Play Store. So by downloading that Podbean app, you can also subscribe to our podcast. They're free, completely free. The advantage of, po- of uh, subscribing, though, is that you will be notified whenever a new broadcast is uploaded, and you won't miss a thing. And given that we're in an election posture... There is plenty that you don't want to miss. And we have a few things we want to cover today. Now, we all know that in these left-wing cities, Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, we've seen rioting that's out of control. And recently in L.A., we've seen that two deputies were gunned down in cold blood. They're fighting for their lives still, but they're expected to recover, not without some lasting ill effects. The shooter has been identified, and there is a big reward for him. And even in this anti-police climate, I would say, shame on you, boys and girls, if you let him come in alive. You've got a guy that tried to kill two of your brethren. You can't take a chance. He makes any kind of furtive movement at all. Don't risk your life. Make sure you go home to your family. Now, the Democrats have done nothing to quell these riots. In fact, they've supported them. You had that stupid mayor out in Seattle saying when they took over the downtown that it was an expression of democracy, democracy in action. And then you have the stupid Portland mayor who, when the protesters reach his home, his response, instead of trying to order it put down by the police or calling the governor and asking him to bring in the National Guard or calling the president and asking him to come in, his response was, well, I guess I'll move. That's just what you want from your elected leaders. Well, it doesn't seem to be working. Because not only are the polls tightening in battleground states, states like Florida are now a statistical dead heat, if you can believe that. Uh, This time, last election cycle, they had Hillary Clinton way ahead. And we all know how Florida went. And it was interesting because so much had been made over the state of Florida and that Trump couldn't win without it. But when the dust all settled and you added up the electoral votes, you'll see that even if he had lost Florida's 29 electoral votes, Trump still would have prevailed because he won Ohio handily early on in the evening. He unexpectedly won Wisconsin. He unexpectedly won Michigan. And he unexpectedly, for them, won Pennsylvania. Now, there was... um, a reporter whose name escapes me, who did a detailed study of the state of Pennsylvania and went out and tried to actually learn who the Trump voters were. And she predicted all along, Trump is winning Pennsylvania. Every place you go outside of Philadelphia and some areas of Pittsburgh, all you see are Donald Trump signs. 
he's going to win Pennsylvania. And indeed, he did. And I suspect that he will repeat that. So if the battleground states are showing polls right now that it's a dead heat, you can rest assured that Trump is comfortably ahead. And there's other things that are taking place. There was a Spanish gentleman who wrote an article. I heard it commented on on another show, but I don't know if you'd caught it, so I thought I'd mention it again here. There's been such sissification, chickification is the term, uh, in this country, emasculating men, uh, showing unbelievable deference to all things feminine. Look, I'm all for equal rights, but you know, men need to be men. Now, the, the war against boys in school, we need to raise boys more like girls. You've heard that nonsense. Well, apparently there's this multicultural male coalition that's just sort of come together. Men of all races who are identifying with Donald Trump as someone masculine, who represents masculinity. Okay. And so they're going to vote for Trump. We're talking about black men, Hispanic men. Men across the racial and cultural divide identifying with Donald Trump. This was unexpected. They didn't believe this. And in these cities where these rioters have laid waste to everything, burned, pillaged, plundered, killed, voters in those cities, these are Democratic cities and Democratic states now, mind you, now favor Trump two to one over Biden. Well, answer me this. Riddle me this, Batman. How are the Democrats supposed to win in places like Minnesota, which is a liberal stronghold? How are they supposed to win when voters in their most populous city favor Trump two to one over Biden? How are they supposed to win in Oregon? Because Oregon is not a liberal state. Oregon is liberal in Portland. But the rest of the state is conservative. It's rather like New York in that regard. New York is liberal in New York City and the metro area, which is primarily Westchester, Nassau. Because in Suffolk, it's conservative. But Nassau is liberal. Westchester is liberal. Rockland, less so. And as you go upstate, it's all all red. So how could you win New York if there were massive riots and New Yorkers favored Trump two to one? Well, the answer is you couldn't. You can't win Oregon the same way. Oregon, Portland is it. If they can't hold on to Portland, I don't know how they hold on to Oregon. So more and more, I'm becoming convinced that the only way this election goes against Donald Trump is fraudulent mail-in voting. And I'm going to keep hitting this. I'm not going to stop hitting it right through Election Day. I'm going to begin it. I'm going to say it in every broadcast, even though it's not going to be the total of my podcast. I'm going to bring this out. A bipartisan study in 2009, chaired by no less than Jimmy Carter and uh, James Baker. So it's bipartisan. Concluded that mail-in voting was rife with the risk of fraud and coercion and should not be undertaken. And let's get this straight. Mail-in voting is distinguishable from an absentee ballot. An absentee ballot is a registered voter who currently lives at an address and requests an absentee ballot. That's been done for years. 
I have no qualms with that. And anyone who doesn't want to go to vote in person because they're afraid of COVID, which to my mind is a bunch of bull, these same people are going to stores, they're, they're waiting online uh, at Walmart, but they won't go to a poll and wait online. It's ridiculous. But if you really are that afraid, you can request an absentee ballot. And nobody's ever had a problem with absentee ballots. What's the distinction between an absentee ballot and mail-in voting? Well, they're just mailing out the ballots to everyone on the voter rolls, and they know those voter rolls are inaccurate, as Attorney General Barr mentioned on CNN last week. You have a rental property in a big city, and over the course of the last 20 or 30 years, who knows how many people have lived in those apartments? Those ballots are all going to that place. And one man is going to get them. He's going to fill them out for the candidate he wants. They had such a case in Texas where a man had 1,700 ballots to people who were eligible to vote, and he filled them out for the candidate of his preference. He was arrested and prosecuted for voter fraud. This is the only way I can see this happening. So I once again, if you're a Trump supporter, you're going to vote for Trump. You're going to have to come out, and you're going to have to vote in person. We're going to have to vote in such overwhelming numbers that any number of mail-in ballots that come to try, try and challenge that are going to be patently evident as fraud. Okay, so you have to go for it. There was a woman out there. I heard her being cited on another show the other day. I think it was Rush Limbaugh's show. And she was saying how she was a never-Trumper, never considered voting for Trump in 2016, but she is now absolutely convinced that the only way to save this republic is to vote for him because her Democratic Party is no longer the Democratic Party she knew. It's a party of extremists. It's not a party for a party for working people. It's a party for the shiftless and the lazy. It's the party that wants illegal people to come here who are ignorant in two languages, and they want them to just be given everything. You see, that's the other big lie. I think I mentioned this in a previous broadcast. You know, they're all about this illegal immigrant, oh, these undocumented immigrants. Look, you go to a foreign country, you have to fill out paperwork. They give it to you in that country's native tongue. You can't fill it out. It doesn't mean you're ignorant. It doesn't mean you're uneducated. It just simply means you're not fluent in that language, be it German, Italian, Spanish, whatever. But if those same people gave you the equivalent of their forms in English, you could quite adequately fill them out, and you wouldn't need any help whatsoever. You get these people from these third world countries in Central America, South America, you come here, you give, they give them a form, they give it to them in English, they can't fill it out. You give it to them in Spanish, they can't fill it out. Because it isn't a language issue with them, they're ignorant, they're uneducated, they're unskilled, there's nothing that they can do here. And we now have to take them in and become sort of some vocational training center at taxpayer expense and educate people, you can't do it. But these are the type of people the Democratic Party wants to embrace because they want to skew the voter rolls and the elections forever. That's why this woman said, you must vote for Trump. The Democratic Party I knew is no longer the Democratic Party. They are beholden to unions. The unions give, they give tremendous benefits to unions. The unions give Tremendous money to the candidates, who in turn turn around and grease the skids for the unions. So the labor movement, which had very, very good roots in this country, has now been taken over by radicals. And I want to give you an example of one. I have um, a friend of mine who's a New York City public schools teacher. And he made me aware of something, and there are articles on this 
uh, in the Wall Street Journal. It's about teacher shortages. Now, we reason why I mentioned this New York City system, this is a national show, but I mentioned New York City because I'm sure this drama is playing out in other cities across the fruited plain, as uh, one famous radio announcer calls it. This is just simply a paradigm for what's happening in other places. We all now know that these state government shutdowns of the respective states like New York and California and so forth were largely the result of misinformation and fear. And they were designed to wreck the economy in the hopes that would be the only way they could get rid of Donald Trump. And it's not working. People are not blaming Donald Trump for the economic downturn. They're blaming the Democratic governors who shut the states down, and they're now giving credit to Donald Trump for bringing the economy back, despite many of these Democratic states remaining shut down. So we have that going on. But the unions just won't let go. The United Federation of Teachers, one of the largest unions in this country, and one of their most powerful locals is the New York City Teachers Union. Now, I used to see for years when contract negotiations came around uh, with police officers and DC 37, but particularly your police officers and your firemen, they could never go on strike because without question, the Taylor Law would be invoked. Now, what is the Taylor Law? The Taylor Law was a law passed in New York to inhibit the ability of unions to strike as a way of forcing negotiations because you would get penalized two days' pay for every day you were out. And since no one's going to get a raise equal to double their salary, there was no way to overcome that loss by striking. And that was a disincentive to striking. And they would, without hesitation, employ it on the police department. They've never had the cojones to employ it on the New York City Teachers Union. But if ever it needed to be employed, it needs to be employed now. And that sort of dovetails with my group that I told you about earlier last week, the Facebook group, uh, Recall, Investigate, and Prosecute Governor Andrew Cuomo and Mayor Bill de Blasio for their corruption and gross mismanagement of the state. The governor for his budgetary shortfalls and his murder of 6,000 New Yorkers in nursing homes as a direct result of his executive action, and the mayor of the city of New York for his anti-police climate that he fostered long before the COVID disaster when police officers were executed because of the permissive attitude he had, and for his mismanagement with his wife, mysteriously unable to account for $850 million of taxpayer money. We see this all going on all the time. His education initiative, where he spent over $800 million to save New York City's 100 worst performing schools, all for naught. Well, he's at it again. New York City was supposed to start school on the 21st. It was supposed to have orientation and then real school. Been delayed now to October 1st. Why? They need 2,500 more teachers than they currently have. But why is that? Well, I have it on authority from a friend of mine who is a New York City teacher that in a deal cut between the mayor and the UFT is that any teacher who's assigned... Well, let me back and give you a little, a little back rec, um, background. Actually. You had several choices if you were a parent. You could elect to not have your child go to school at all 
and go to full remote learning. Or you could opt for blended learning. Blended learning meant you did some online and some in school. The way it would work for my son, they divide the school into different populations. So when their kids do go to school, not all of the student population is in the school at the same time. This is ostensibly to inhibit the spread of COVID. So my son is on a three-week cycle. Everybody's got a different day that they go. So in the first week of his cycle, he does blended learning for four days, and then he goes to school one day. Okay, his day is Friday, I believe. And then the second week, he does blended learning three days and goes to school two days. And then on his third week, he does blended learning two days and goes to school three days. And then on the fourth week, he's back to week one again. Well, any teacher that is assigned to fully remote learning cannot participate in the in-person part of the blended learning. He or she can't be with anyone. The blended teachers cannot do remote learning on the days when they are in school with children who elected to attend under the blended learning because they've got to teach them. So they have a 2,500 teacher shortage as a direct result of this. Now, to say nothing of the fact that many teachers, I have the article in the Wall Street Journal. Let me look over here. I can find it. Um, Many teachers have been granted um, deferments. They've been allowed to work from home or accommodations, not, not deferments, accommodations. I'm looking over here. I can find it here. One second. And this is a courtesy of Mr. Mulgrew, the president of the teacher. Let's see what we got here. Some quotes. Mr. Mulgrew said the city's move to add about 2,000 teachers isn't enough to address the staffing needs and stressed that the potential spread of the virus makes it difficult to merge classes. This is a really big deal. We can't put five classes in a room with a teacher because you're really driving the likelihood of having any sort of problem with the COVID virus. The kids aren't at risk from the COVID virus, Mr. Mulgrew. You don't know what you're talking about, uh, and that doesn't surprise me. Let me see if I can go to this other article here in the journal. Uh, We got it right here. We're looking for staffers. Okay. Doesn't show it here. Ah. 15,900 teachers in New York City have been granted accommodations to work from home. That's 21% of the workforce. Can you explain to me how 21% of the workforce gets accommodations? What do they just say? I don't feel like coming in. I want to stay home. I can solve this problem right now. Mr. de Blasio, if you'd grow a pair, you'd simply tell the teachers union, look, you're going to come to work. You don't come to work. You're not going to get paid. We're going to put the tail law on you. Or if you insist on forcing our hand and you want to stay home and get the accommodation, you can get it. But it's going to come at a cost. These labor contracts we've negotiated with you over the years presuppose a certain quality and quantity of work from each of you in return for the compensation you get. And part and parcel of that is that you travel into the city every day, you teach in person, you do other things you have to do off school hours, like grading papers. That's part of it. Well, you're not coming in. 
You're not grading papers. You're not doing a lot of the things that you were doing. Why do you deserve the same amount of money? Would you like it if we reduced your amount of money, uh, your pay, to better comport with the job that you are doing instead of the job that you are contracted to do? I don't think you'd like that very much. You've got to hit these people in the pocketbook. You can't let these, these teachers' unions dictate to you how things are going to be done. You just can't do it. I mean, nobody wants unfair labor practices. That's how unions came to be in this country. But the pendulum has swung too far. It's now the workers are going to tell the boss how the job needs to be done. No, no, the boss is the boss. He runs the company. He takes the risk. He's responsible. It should be the same thing in municipal work. We have a fiscal responsibility to ensure that the taxpayers' dollars are spent wisely. Taxpayers are willing to part with a certain amount of taxation for school tax, and school tax is invariably the highest part of your property taxes, in order to get a certain level of education for their children. You, the teachers, seem to be unwilling to provide it. You want to be able to roll out of your bed, have a cup of coffee, sit down at your computer, and and teach. It's not working that way. Oh, and here's the best part. I didn't know about this. I found this out from my friend, the teacher. First of all, this is not something that had to come up last minute. This was voiced. This teacher shortage, these problems, these logistical complexities I'm addressing with you right now, these were all known to both parties, the city and the teachers' union, in July. And in a town hall meeting in July, he raised this issue and he was shushed. He was silenced and told not to say anything. Well, here's another little tidbit for you. This blended learning isn't as blended as you might think. All of the teaching is being done for the students in the online portion of the blended learning. When they actually physically go to school with the teachers, the teachers aren't teaching them anything. They're not teaching them anything new. They're not teaching them anything at all. The whole purpose of the teachers in the school is to answer any questions the children might have with their homework and help them with difficulty in doing the work that they've been taught remotely in the online portion, not to teach anything new. This certainly doesn't sound like blended learning to me. It sounds like all remote teaching and remote learning with a little in-person aid. Now... They're not doing anything in the way of teaching. How the hell can they get a full pay? Maybe this is part and parcel of why we've got a mayor that spent $800 million on a program to improve the performance in the 100 worst performing schools in the city of New York and has nothing to show for it. No improvement whatsoever. It would seem to me that someone could think that after the first $100 million were spent that Nothing was happening. I mean, it isn't like you spend $800 million and, you know, you spend $750 million, nothing changes. And then when the last $50 million comes across, boom, it all kicks in. It should be incremental. Somebody could have pulled the plug a lot sooner. But this is what you're dealing with in the city of New York. Now, I've got to believe that what I've just highlighted here with this municipality, the city of New York, is being replicated in other parts of the country, particularly big cities, cities like Chicago, cities like Los Angeles. If they are, if you're experiencing that in your town, I want to hear about it. Please email me at nationalpreviewonline@gmail.com at gmail.com because I really want to know. 
Now, before I go, I want to reiterate. Our group, Recall, Prosecute, I'm sorry, Recall, Investigate, and Prosecute Governor Andrew Cuomo and Mayor Bill de Blasio is growing. We've now surpassed the 100-member mark in just a few days. We've only had it up for a few days, and I really haven't pushed that hard. What's happening is people are joining, people that know of National Preview Online, that follow our Facebook page and read the articles that I've written on the website. I haven't been writing as many articles lately uh, because I'm I've been doing the podcast, which is a more expeditious way of getting information to you. They've seen some things I've done on YouTube, uh, but they are joining. And when they and when they join, they wind up sending out invitations to a dozen other people. So I suspect we're going to grow geometrically. You can go directly to that page by going to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash R period I period P period for rest in peace. Cuomo and de Blasio. Join the group, because when we grow it to a large enough number, we're going to start planning rallies to get rid of these people. We're not going to sit idly by and let them drag this state into oblivion. We're going to do everything we can to eradicate them permanently from the political landscape in this state and in this country. So please join the group. Another reason to join the group is that I will always attempt to post a link to my latest podcast on the Facebook group page so that you can avail yourself of it if you haven't subscribed. So enjoy the weekend. We'll be back here Monday for National Preview Online. I'm Jamie Dury.